0: Hey, it's Bridget and Liz, and you're listening to Dude Guess, Dude, Guess what?
1: what? Hey, hey, hey! It's episode 11, and we've got a big treat for everybody today. Yeah, we do. <laughs> we have my mother in law, Rebecca Durfee, on. Say hi hello. Now. Hi. <laughs> Um, we're really excited for this. I'm like super excited. Um, just because I have a very close relationship with my mother-in-law. So I think yeah,
0: Rebecca is like the mother-in-law anybody wants. Oh,
2: stop. <laughs> Rebecca,
0: it's true, dude. So okay. it's always like telling me the stuff you guys are doing. And I'm like, bro, you got it good.
2: Uh, <laughs> it's a great little family we have.
0: You do have a great very family.
2: Very yeah. Great.
1: Um, you know, this week we wanted to talk about moms and, um, I thought it was, you know, we, I was talking with Liz about it and I actually was talking with it, um, about it with Anth and we were just kind of like, you know, it'd be good to have somebody on that has been through like all the seasons of being a mom, like babies, toddlers, kids, teenagers, you know, and now adults, you know, and so I think it's good that, you know, we have you on for that wealth of knowledge. And
2: I don't, you know, I don't know if it's wealth of knowledge, but this, there is something to be said for going through each season and then looking back and hopefully sharing that knowledge because I got so much from my own mom. So I think, and then I'm learning now things she said to me when I was young it didn't mean anything, mean a whole lot more now. You know I mean? It's, it's amazing lessons you can learn young and then apply later. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. Um, so essentially Rebecca, I just
1: kind of want, um, to start off with, so you were young. I mean, you have a family of 14. Um,
2: my parents family. Yeah. got 14, 14 kids.
1: Yeah. So And you fall in as the fourth. Number four. mm-hmm. Oh, I thought you were the oldest. Where uh-uh. did I get that from?
2: Are you oldest girl? Uh-uh.
0: Uh-uh.
2: Second oldest girl,
0: fourth child. Yeah. Okay. I don't know where I got that from. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Maybe just because you're so mature, Rebecca. Oh, I just thought that's what it is.
2: Out. Yeah, it could be because I'm almost 54. Oh No, I am 54. My birthday was yesterday. That's oh, right. Oh,
1: yeah. I forgot about
2: that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's yeah.
1: Funny. I still remember when you had your 50th birthday. That was fun. Yeah. A minute ago. Yeah. Um, So kind of just want to know about your growing up experience. Um, For those that don't know, um, Rebecca's dad died when Rebecca was 18.
2: I was um, almost, let's see, I just think I just turned 19. It was in uh, 87, 88 he was 45. He was young. Whoa, wow. yeah. yeah. And, um, kind of tell us about
1: that. I know that, um, you were the last person that saw him.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We were very close. Um, <clears throat> I actually worked for him. My sister and I worked for him. And so he, um, he was, a in sales, he had a, a office, a sales office. He was a regional manager for investments and insurance. And, So we were in his office every day. And so we went, he had diabetes and a few years earlier, he had had a heart attack and seemed fine. He was going to the racquetball club and, you know, seemed fine. Um, but we went to his, his office that night and he worked at night. He was kind of a workaholic. So he would work until about four o'clock, come home, hang out. He'd take a nap a lot of times. And then we'd have dinner at six and he'd go back to the yeah, he'd go back to the office at seven and come home around ten. So that was kind of his most nights. And um, he, at the time that he passed away, I went by his office to get a soda because he had a soda machine, and we were going to a comedy club, my sister and I, and so um, stopped by. And he just happened to be there. And I remember walking in through the front office and towards the back room that had the the soda machine, and we had a key to it, so we could just get soda. And he was there, and he walked in the room and he said, you know, Hey Louie. And, and he called me Louie and um, asked me how I was doing. And he used to always say, how's your life? Are you keeping it clean? And he would just, we just had (laughs) the same conversation, but I remember looking at him and thinking to myself, he looks kind of tired, but I didn't think that much of it. He just was a little bit like he was a very exuberant, really um, had a strong, big personality and he was just kind of softer so I remember turning around and walking past his desk and looking in. he was very clean and organized. And I remember walking in and he had stuff on his desk. And I remember thinking to myself, that's not normal. So, you know, this doesn't seem, cause he was getting ready to leave. And I was like, that's not, that's not like him, but I didn't think anything of it went with my sister. And, and then when we came home, which is about one o'clock in the morning, we drove, we were renting a room from a friend in the, in Highland, Utah. And, um, drove past my family's house and all the lights were on and we're like, well, there's the they are all staying up all night and not thinking anything of it. And somebody had stopped us at one in the morning. The lady that we were renting from was coming towards my family's house and she stopped us in the middle of the road. And she said, I'm so, so sorry. And we had no idea. And so then she told us, we said, what, sorry about what? And she said, your dad, you haven't heard. And we had no clue. And so we couldn't drive. We couldn't, we were just paralyzed. And so we put the car at the side of the road, got in her car and she took us to our families and they told us, you know, what had happened. And I was so sad for my mom. So more sad for my mom than myself. She was a stay at home mom. She had not been out of the home in forever. I mean, she had never worked outside of the home and just scary. Nine kids still living at home. And it was, it was a lot. And I felt a lot of guilt over, I was the last one to see him. And I kept you know, doing that. Like, why didn't I see something? What if I had just said something to somebody? What if I had just called my mom? What, why didn't I think of it? Mm-hmm. I mean, it just wasn't in my head. And it was a real battle for me personally after that to try and figure out how I navigate that guilt and that sadness for, I mean, I had all these little brothers and sisters, two, three-year-olds, they had just adopted a little girl. And then my little brother was their same age. So there's a lot of kids for my mom. And it was just, it was a horrible yeah. time for many reasons.
1: Yeah. I was going to say, cause you know, obviously I've been in the family for almost eight years. So I know about these stories and everything, but I know that your mom was left home with like, how many kids were so nine. Okay. Yeah. And and the youngest was like two or three, you said two, three-year-olds. There were two, three. Two, oh, okay, okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. And
0: it's just like, so oh, I go crazy. like that must've been. So, I mean, not, not even just to like lose your spouse, but like to also now, like how am I going to care for these nine? But kids? you know what
2: you guys, I think you find power in yourself when you don't know you had it because I think those kids and that I, I think that's what my mom lived for at that point. And I remember my grandfather coming in and saying to my younger brother, Milo is a year younger than I am. So he was in the home still. He was a senior. He was just made student body president that year and he, or for the year coming and he was just going to high school to do, you know, the presentation for the new school orientation. And we were all trying to figure out how do we even go forward? And, My grandfather said to my brother, you know, Milo, you need to, you need to be the man of the house. Now you need, and my mom said, no, 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 he does not. He is a kid Mm -hmm. to be a young man. He needs to have his youth. He does not need that pressure on him. And my grandfather was just trying to say something good. And, you know, but it, but I was like, wow, for her to have that wisdom of knowing that he still needed to be a kid Mm -hmm. moments where somebody, your life just changed. She's. I mean, if anybody knows me, they know I, I have all the respect in the world for my mother. She's a saint in my eyes, truly a saint. And I've learned lessons that I used to kind of roll my eyes at. I am just like amazed at how they've impacted my life now, you know?
1: Well, that kind of like goes into my next question because, <clears throat> you know, I feel like I've heard stories of her and just what an amazing mom she was and what an amazing grandma she was. And I kind of just wanted to um, get more of a background on like what you learned from your mom and her raising you. And then how did you apply that to your own kids?
2: Um, oh my heavens. I've learned. So I, when, when I had Anthony, my first child, I remember I just wanted to bring him home and take him to her. And then have <laughs> her bring him back to me when he was two, because <laughs> I just, I was never the, the one in my family. Kathy was a very natural nurturer and I wasn't as natural nurturing. And so I was scared, super scared. And I just knew she would, she knew, she was, she loved children. That's why she had 14. That was what she loved in life. And, um, and so I, I, she and I are very different. We approach things differently. We are different, but I've learned so, so much from her that I try really hard to incorporate those things that I've admired and learned from her. And, and some of them are very simple, but she had so many boys and so many girls. And so she would teach me things about just gender, You know that boys typically when they're little, they're harder, they're rambunctious, they are wild little guys and they're easier when they get in their teenage years. And girls are easier when they're little, they're just more, you know, they'll sit and play a lot of times Mm -hmm. where when they're teenagers, they are really hard. And so, and that's not perfect, but you know, she just taught me a lot of the simple things in life. But I do remember, um, you know, she would call my, my oldest Anthony and she would tell him, Hey, she, she talked to him about being the oldest and the kind of pressure that's on the oldest. And then she would call Zach and she just had such individual relationships with, at least with my kids. And, and we lived away, we lived out of state. And mm-hmm. so, um, what I, I think there's something that just always comes to my head when you're talking. Cause you know, I'm a, I'm a working individual. I'm a working woman and, and my mother was in the home and she did not, even after my dad died, she found ways to stay home. She sold her silver. She sold land that she And my dad had dreamed of building on. She did everything she could to bring in money to offset the costs so that she could stay home with those kids. She didn't
0: have to work at all after.
2: She, I mean, she found ways to work at home. She stuffed envelopes. She addressed envelopes. She found, she watched Anthony. We paid her to watch Anthony. She found every way she could to make as much as she could in order to make the ends meet and then um, stay home with the kids. And that was so incredibly important to her. I remember saying to her, your kids are all in school, mom, you should go work, go do something for you, go work, do something, you know? And she said, do you think kids don't need me home just because they're in high school? I think my kids need me home in high school more than they do when they're younger. And that was just her experience. And, and that's how she felt. But I remember saying to her one time, you know what, mom, I, I was working at the time I had, my kids were in their mid teenagers, whatever. And, um, and I remember telling her, I felt so sorry for you because you were constantly doing laundry and she was a great cook, but it was like a bed and breakfast every day. I mean, she was cooking <laughs> for a family of 16 and it was, and she'd always make full meals, you know, and I just, I said, I felt so sorry for you. Cause you just kind of lost yourself. You know, you didn't have any time for you. And she said to me, do not feel sorry for me. You don't get to decide what I wanted to do in life that I loved being a mother. That was my, my role, my job, my, my love. And I, I loved it. You don't get to feel sorry for me. How would you feel if I said, I felt sorry for you, you know, for you that you have to work. You wouldn't like that either. And I just remember thinking we need to give everybody their own space. Everybody knows what they're doing. They, they figure out their path. It might not make sense to us, you know, but we can't, we, everybody's doing their best. We just, you know, I used to say to my boys, when they would fight me on things, Anthony, I remember sitting in my back patio and I remember him sitting on his bike and he's kind of going back and forth on his bike. And he's really ticked off at me that I won't let him go to a certain movie. And he's like, everybody gets to go to this movie. Everybody, you're the only parent, you know, and they, people who have the same religion and they let their kids and. I said, um, you know what, Anthony, I don't have to stand in front of them someday. It's you and me. I've got to do my best. My best might stink, but it's all I've got. And I'm doing my best, you know, and that's, that's all I got. And, and I said, you can do better than me. Then you just do your best someday and do better than me, you know, but we, we have to give each other some grace. You know, we're all, all in different places. We're all doing our best as mothers.
0: Yeah. I think that's important to like I look at my like I have friends on varying scales of like uh, like what they do for motherhood like I have friends who are working moms and friends who are stay at home moms and I'm going to be a working mom and that's what works for my lifestyle Mm -hmm. and sometimes I'm like oh my like I think about this about Sarah and Bridget too I'm like I do not know how you guys do like the stay at home mom thing all day long like that would but like, the, but that's just for me. That's what works for me. And like, they are amazing stay at home moms and they also work, you know, so it's just like, I don't know how they do it. I think I would like be burnt out by like 12 p.m. Yeah,
2: so, <laughs> well, you do kind of, I've done both. And and I, um, I worked while Anthony was up until Anthony was two. And for me, I felt very strongly about staying home while they were young. um, and it, it was really hard. I used to watch the clock. So we moved from Utah to California. And so, and I loved my job. I was with a large software company and I worked for their general counsel and I really learned a lot from him and it was just a really good experience. And um, so then I go to being a mom and it's hard when you're in a corporate environment and your, your day is scheduled and it's busy. And then you go, and I, I literally had on my, on my um cabinet, my schedule of Vacuuming and everything (laughs) could get me to five o'clock because I was like, "Dude, that will that would be me, a hundred percent." It was hard, but it kept me. You know, my schedule was fine, and and you just learn to get into that groove because it was a value to me at that time to be with my kids. And when Tori was four, uh, three, then I went back and became a realtor. So it. And, and they were all in school at that point. And I had, I chose to be a realtor because of the flexibility of the schedule, but Mm -hmm. it was, so everybody has their own groove and you figure it out, you do your best and, and we have to, we have to give people room to be who they are too.
0: Yeah. I, I I agree with that. I just think like, you know, with my friends who are different things, I'm, I'm never like, oh my gosh, you're just a stay at home. I'm like, dude, you do more work than I do. So like, I like commend you for doing that. I could not. And I, and I know that I
2: recognize that like deficit in myself. And you work hard, but there's not a paycheck at the end of the motherhood. The paycheck is having good kids. And sometimes your kids, they get to choose what they do in life. You can teach them all day long, all the things that you think are, are gonna get them furthest in life. They're gonna choose what path they take. So it's not always, the paycheck at the end is not always there, but mm-hmm. that is what we live for. We're like, okay, this better be worth it. You
1: know? <laughs> it's so true.
0: <laughs> well, sorry, I detoured us about uh, talking about other, like different stay-at-home moms. But the other question I had is, you know, you talked about like you learned like these, like basic principles or um, learning opportunities or whatever from your own mom. But uh, what did you, did you have like a good relationship with your mother-in-law and like, how did you... What did you learn from her? And like, what was that like dynamic? Like,
2: Oh, I loved my mother-in-law, both my mother and my mother-in-law have passed away. So, um, but I didn't even, it did not even occur to me that you don't all love your mother-in-law. It didn't even occur to me. And, and of course, you know, she was just super easy to talk to very down to earth my sweet mother thought her kids were perfect and so i was really careful about the things i brought to her because i didn't want her to have any negative feelings about stephen because she would probably always take my side where my <laughs> mother-in-law was more like no he's you know he shouldn't be doing that or you know well have you thought about this rebecca she was just more and she would tend to take our the daughter-in-law's sides so She was just, uh, there was just, they were very, very different personalities. And so I felt like I got the best of both worlds with them Mm -hmm. and and just to, and she made us feel like we were daughters, you know, and that with my daughter-in-laws, it does not occur to me not to love my daughter-in-laws and incorporate them in our home. And yet now as a, as an older, as a mother-in-law and grandmother, I hear lots of stories about the struggles with. Mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships, and I, and I know I'm aware how blessed I am. I mean, I am very, very
0: blessed. Yeah, yeah I think that's like one thing to try and like figure out. At least for me, you know, what I'm coming up next month on our two-year wedding anniversary, yeah. and I'm just like that's something to try to like learn to navigate too. Is like you know we have Ryan's parents; they're not my they're not like my, I did not grow up with them. And yeah. so <clears throat> trying to learn that relationship and like what those boundaries look like, but also like his family is very different than my family and the way that they communicate with each other is different, but it's not bad. Yeah. Just it's different. just different. Yeah. And so like my family, like literally tells each other everything mm-hmm. and like oversharing and Ryan's family is more reserved with like what yeah. they talk about. And so like, when I go down there, I'm like, yo, listen to this story. And they're probably like, I cannot believe you're saying this. <laughs> so yeah, I, like, I have seen
2: that. Really? Your family's very close, but you are, you're very real with each other. Like you tell each other exactly what you're thinking. And so you don't do all the tiptoeing mm-hmm. as, as maybe other families and in a huge family. I mean, I would consider my family huge. Stephen had, eight kids, that's a large family, but mm-hmm. would be over large. And there's so many that I don't have the daily interaction with most of them. I still love them so much. I would, if we got together, it's always so fun. So it's not, and it's just, we, we have so many to choose from and yeah. it's just, you know, we just all, but we're, but I think that we're all doing our best to keep those relationships you know, where we can. It's not always perfect. There's some really tough ones here and there, but yeah, it's, it gets harder with more people.
1: Yeah. So, kind of, you kind of briefly shared a little bit about you guys going to California. And I could totally be botching this, but I feel like I remember hearing or you've said to us before that. Um, so, I know that you worked the first two years of Anthony's life and that your mother watched him during the or whenever uh steven was at school mm-hmm. yeah um and then i know you guys moved after you guys had zach you guys moved to california and i feel like where have- in
2: california did you guys go to southern california right here okay. orange county riverside county the two okay
1: um i feel like i remember that you like also got offered a really big job out there and it was going to like pay more than the job you had. And it was like more prestigious. But well, then the job you- I had
2: was babysitting. So, now, <laughs> yeah, it would have paid a little bit more. I was doing two things. I was doing what you call scoping. I was working for a paralegal in a courtroom. And I was, you know, they have this stenographer. I'm sorry, not a paralegal, a stenographer. And they have shortened fake words that mean things because it's shorthand, essentially. So I was working for her and trying to decipher her notes and babysitting. So,
1: okay. So you were doing that in California first, and then you got offered that job. Yes. So what
2: happened was I was working in California and, and I wanted to stay home with my kids. And so the way that I could stay home with my kids, I thought it was pretty good income to be with your kids. It was like a thousand dollars a month. I babysat two or three kids here and there. Mm -hmm. and. I never took a lot because I didn't want to become a preschool, or you know, I just wanted to watch kids. They were always my kids' age, and so um, I didn't want my kids to know I was babysitting. I wanted my kids to think they had friends over all the time. So it was this dynamic. And then, um, so we we were supposed to move to Arizona. Stephen worked for a large um, Ernst and Young, one of the large accounting firms, and we were supposed to move from. Um, California to Arizona back then. And so we put our house on the market. And in doing that, I th- had to let the two kids that I was babysitting, the p- people know that I was going to leave. And so they took their kid, you know, they quit having me watch their kids. They had to get uh, alternative help. Well, at that time, the market, the housing market was very, very slow and it was So I told them in anticipation of moving. So that was two months before we didn't put our house on for two months and it takes, it takes six months for a house to sell. So all of a sudden we're finding ourselves in this situation where we're not positive. We want to move. We're not to Arizona. We're not, we're like trying to figure it out. And we had a thousand dollar discrepancy because I didn't have those kids. Then Stephen had a little car crash. Our car got totaled. So now we had to buy a new car and it was cheap. You know, car. I mean, it was maybe four hundred. I don't know, four hundred dollars. Let's say we had a big discrepancy every month because we were just getting by at that point, and so we had to do something. And we were desperate, so I started. I decided I'm just going to go to work, and even if I work a year, I'll just go to work because I have these skills. I'm a paralegal, so I went to um, a place called Pensky in Rancho Cucamonga, and. In going to Penske, I went for the legal department. The legal department said, we don't need another paralegal, but our CEO needs an assistant. He needs an executive assistant. And I was like, okay, I'll meet with him. I literally went in a pink suit. Like I wanted to, like, I wasn't sure I wanted to do it. So I sabotaged it as best. So you
0: look like L. Woods is what you're saying. I
2: swear. I walked in there. I was like leaning back, like, hey, you know, hey. <laughs> but I had come off all this knowledge from working at Novell because my boss at Novell, I worked a lot with Ray Norda, the CEO. I worked a lot with our stock person, Betty. I worked with everybody there. So when he was talking to me, I understood that corporate language. And I walked away and I was like, I don't care if I don't get it. I don't, you know, because then I'd have to put my kids in childcare. And I started looking up kinder care was a, a place out there and and I just sort of was excited because I like working so much so I was like well I have to so it's you know it's kind of daycare (laughs) I can't help it so (laughs) I so then I went home and and I had a feeling they were going to offer me the job and it was like at that point it was I can't remember forty thousand and that's twenty something years ago and it was three days a week. And I was like, oh man, I don't know. You know, I don't know if I should do this. And I remember going in my room and I had a basket of clothes and I was folding the clothes on the bed. And I just put the clothes down and I walked in the family room and Stephen was reading the paper. And I said, Stephen, I can't do it. I can't do it. And he said, you can't do what? And I said, I can't I can't leave my kids. Every time I think about leaving my kids, I feel sick. I, I babysit kids. I love those kids. And if there was a fire, I'd probably, you know, you grab your kids. My kids came first. So I don't want my kids to come second in someone's world, you know? And he said, he said, I'm so glad you picked that. I didn't want to tell you what to do. I wanted it to be your decision, but I don't, you know, I want them to be with you. And he said, if you start getting $40,000 now, how do we walk away from that? And so we didn't, and it was within probably 30 days that we got the offer to move to Wisconsin. And no, it was even a little bit longer than that, but I, and I was newly pregnant and it was just a, it was such a great decision that later when I had our Tori who has down syndrome I realized I I couldn't have been the mom I am. She, you know, she needed me a hundred percent and I, it would have been hard for me to walk away from that. So. Yeah. Did you feel though, like
1: in California, were you like, or I you kind of touched a little bit about that. Like staying at home was like super hard. You're like counting mm-hmm. down the minutes essentially. Yeah. Did you feel like anything made that better though? Like making your...
2: well, friends, and then embracing the role, because I, at that point, you're right. I moved to a place where I knew nobody had no, no, I had a couple of people I knew, but that daily interaction, I had no accolades, you know, all the attaboys you get at work all the time. I didn't have any, I got those all the time. I wasn't getting that. So it was hard to, it felt the selfish part of me wanted that acknowledgement And the selfless part of me wanted to pour myself in my kids. And it was trying to come to terms with those two sides and figure out how do I not lose myself, but be the best mom I can be, you know, and people say to you, oh, enjoy it. They're only young for, they go so fast. And, but I will literally tell you, I would tell that to somebody today. And I would like roll my eyes and think, you have no idea what I'm dealing with. (laughs) <laughs> but now I'm like, where, how, how did this time go by? I cannot believe that I have a 30 year old in my life as a son. I can't, I, I don't I'm even know. Yeah, yeah. So it, it does go fast. This is the only time. I remember when Anthony went to school, he was in kindergarten. I remember thinking, this is the last time that I will be the only influence or we, Stephen and I, will be that influence in his life because friends now and their moms. Yeah. It's yeah. That's what
1: Anthony and I always talk about. At least with Austin is like, you know, he'll turn five in October and I think he can technically go this year or something. Um, But maybe I'm totally wrong. Anyway, regardless, we're like not putting him in kindergarten just because he'd be the very youngest. And two, like, it's like, we're going to be moving it's a big it's a big i mean that's a big thing to go through with anybody but at least we always talk about how like hey like this is the last year Austin's home with us like now is the time to like make sure that he feels confident and that he yeah. you know has a strong sense of who he is and and like can say no to things that may be going on or whatever yeah. so yeah that's how we feel we have lots. And of
2: you're going to be, you know, interestingly, Liz. My sister Kathy had her first baby when she was um, older, like oh, over 30, and it it is kind of this dynamic where she has to figure out she has people who are younger than her who have kids. Her, you know what I mean? It's like yeah. there's all kinds of different things that moms are going through, and there are women who don't have children. And I have always said there was a woman in Wisconsin, Lisa Bradford, who she. Uh, she was like a second mom to me. I mean, Stephen, Stephen was away from me for six months. We lived in Wisconsin before we moved to Arizona. He moved to Arizona for work six months before I came out there. And I was, I had a daughter who was in therapy three times a week. I had two little kids. I was babysitting again and working at night. So I was like, it was hard. I couldn't have done it without her. She, and she's never had children and she's never been married. And I always think, you mothered my children. You might not be their biological mother, but you mothered my children. So yeah. you know, I think we all have that role. We just, it just plays out differently. Yeah. yeah.
1: And kind of like going along that. So you guys moved to Wisconsin, you're pregnant with Tori. You have no idea that she has down syndrome. Like you <laughs> think everything's well, no, you no, said, no, no. Oh, yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Wait, you what? I missed that. Sorry. I did think I both Stephen and I had a feeling something wasn't right. I thought just because the pregnancy I, felt different, or like you, no, just the pregnancy kind of felt normal. totally normal at that time. You only got one ultrasound, at least we did. Yeah, yeah and because they cost a lot of money. Yeah, but you know, it was it just was the way it was, and and there was yeah. nothing showing up in the ultrasound, and I there was just nothing, no indicators for them.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I just. I just was like, well, maybe it's a girl, maybe that's why, which it was, but that's not why it just felt. And I remember saying to my mom, you need to come out here when I have this baby two weeks early, because mm-hmm. I said, mom, I think this, my mother had a child pass away seven days after birth. And I remember saying, mom, I think this baby's going to die. That's all I could, that's all I could think of. And it, I just kept thinking, this is not, something's not right, you know, and, and so when we had her, that was, I mean, we knew she had down, you know, she, the cord was around her neck. She wasn't breathing. So I thought, this is, this is it. I was scared to death. And
1: yeah. So she came out and I, cause we, they have a video of yeah. the birth and I've seen it and I'm like. Is it traumatic? I feel like that would be so traumatic to it's watch still, it. She's
2: it's perfectly like, fine sitting next to me and I'm still traumatized by it. Yeah. yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh, even
1: me, I was like watching it and I'm like bawling because I'm like. Well, she's all blue.
2: She's not making a single noise. At this point, we don't know she has Downs and Downs babies are floppy. So of course she's floppy, but we don't know what that's from. Mm -hmm. It was was extremely scary, but I was so grateful. The
1: thing about Wisconsin was that they had like down a a great
2: program for people or something, right? Right, right. They were very um, proactive and way ahead of the curve when it came to special needs. So they had counselors at my house, counselors at our room. They were just, oh yeah, I, we had no idea anything about disabilities and all these programs. We didn't even know that was a thing. I didn't know anything about Down syndrome. So um, it, was, it was such a great blessing in our life that we went there. We were only there for two years, totally. I believe we were there for Steven to stair-step in his job and for Tori to have the services she needed. Mm -hmm. well that was kind of the thing right you guys felt like you should move to Wisconsin
1: and you didn't know why
2: no idea we knew nothing about Wisconsin nothing
1: but then you end up having Tori and I guess too like going along with Tori like how how was it navigating that new like your child has Down syndrome and even now like how is it, um, being a this is such, child? I'm going to interrupt Bridget. This is okay. such a dumb question, but even
0: when they're like infants, was it that, was it super different than having
2: a, like a no, nah, tell her about six months. They told us <coughs> this. first of all, Tori could nurse. So I nursed her cause that's, that's, those are muscle tone. So it was really good for them to nurse. Most babies with Downs don't nurse, but, okay. um, because it's low tone but they said for the first four to six months, they're just to be, they're floppy. You know, they don't have the muscle tone, but otherwise they're just pretty typical. And then you start to see that gap widen when they're not rolling over as fast or they're not sitting up because it's all muscles. And so she was about seven months, eight months when she was sitting and she didn't walk till she was probably 18 months old. She, you know, it, everything's delayed physically. Mm-hmm. But that gap gets wider and wider as they get older and you start comparing them to kids their age. Okay. And I remember and I've i shared this. Tori and I speak at high schools um, before COVID, we were speaking at high schools and on their in the child development classes for their their topic of Down syndrome. And so I always share this story with them because when I had Tori, I read everything. There's a book that's like all you need to know about down syndrome. And I read that thing, it was like age ages and what to expect. And it's called what to expect with down syndrome and it was just like a bible to me i read it all the time and then there's another book called i can't even remember what it's called i think it's called um finding adam or something anyway a little boy about down syndrome and she'd written the book and any she brings this analogy and i changed it to fit what i think you know it fits but basically what i told the kids was if you are going to go to hawaii and you know that in nine months, you're going to go to Hawaii. And <clears throat> I know Bridget's probably heard this, but if you're going to go to Hawaii in nine months and everybody's excited about it and it's all you talk about and you have little parties about Hawaii and it's like, you, you know, you're all like, you're packing, you're reading, you're, you're really pumped about going to Hawaii and it's your dream, all you've ever wanted. So you get on the airplane and the stewardess comes up and says, you know what? You're not going to Hawaii. You are going to Alaska. And you're like, no, 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 I cannot go to, I can't go to Alaska. I have no idea what Alaska is like. I can't do it. I've only planned for Hawaii. And that stewardess tells you nothing's going to change that you're going to Alaska, but Alaska is beautiful and you're going to love Alaska. It's not Hawaii, but you will love Alaska. And that to me is what down syndrome is. I had no idea what it took. I didn't know anything and I read a ton, but what I have learned is we learned early on, don't pull Tori into our world. Let, you know, don't tell her she's going to have a wedding and be a mom. And those aren't things that might happen in her world. Don't tell her she's going to miss prom, even though Anthony took her prom sweetest thing ever, but it was going into her world, pulling us into her world and not giving her false expectations and, you know, and, and I, it was just beautiful. She, I, she's such a gift. And I remember saying to the kids, you might have that relationship with your mother when you're older, where you're just best friends and you go do everything. But I have a relationship where my daughter tells me every single day, multiple times a day, how much she loves me. And she will take my face and say, you know, you are my mommy and you, I am your Tory. <laughs> or, you know, she holds my hand. So she's 24 years old and she is like, she's like, um, I'm her world, you know? And so, and her dad's her world, her brothers, her sister-in-laws, our family means everything to her. And that isn't, you know, I said, you guys, what 17 year olds out there going to tell their mom that she's just, you know, they love her so much, you know? So I get things that they won't get get things I won't have, you know, but so yeah. Corey's so dang cute, dude. I She's- I mean, I don't
0: have that much interaction with her other than when you guys come up or we see you at Bridget's mm-hmm. stuff, but she's always, like, h- giving hugs and loves. And, you know, when yeah. she found out I was pregnant, she probably told me 50 times that night about how excited she was for me. And I'm like, oh, she's so proud I'm of proud of you.
1: Yeah. <laughs> the no, thing, she- too, that's cute about Tori is, like, she <laughs> loves – I mean, I know she loves Steven, too, but she loves yeah. her book. It's so funny. Like, we'll be there, and, and let's just say, like <sighs> – like Tori, she blue. wants
0: Rebecca to sit by her. No, no, no. It's
1: like, it's like, I is this she'll be like, is the sky blue? And like, me and Andy will be like, yeah, the sky is blue, like, it's blue outside. She will not hear it until her mom says, the sky is blue. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's yeah. so because so it's just like, it's very special.
2: Sometimes, yeah, 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 it is special. Sometimes it's, you know, it's suffocating when she's like two inches from my face and telling me how much she loves me. And I'm like, okay, just give me a little bit of room. Yeah. She's She's so cute. uh, Yes. I don't think, I think anybody who has a child with Down syndrome and truly appreciates it knows that we're in this club and we're so lucky, but not, you just can't, you just don't know until you know, it's, it's amazing. Yeah. We wouldn't change anything. She's
0: great. So then. After Wisconsin, you guys moved to Arizona, uh-huh.
2: right? And yes. then, boy, how old were the boys when they when you guys moved there? Anthony was, uh, let's see, seven, and Zach was five, and Tori was one. Okay, so they do most of their growing up then
0: in Arizona, like the bulk yeah. of their things. Yeah. So, what was it? What lessons, life lessons, did you learn from having teenagers? In Arizona and like raising your kids there, what's what's some wisdom you can impart on people about to embark on that part of the journey? You know
2: it's I don't know. Every teenager is so different, and so I think it's as mothers or people who mother, you would want to listen to those those individuals and watch the patterns so that we know what they need. Because Anthony and Zachary could not be more different. They are night and day, mm-hmm. and, and the and the Anthony that we saw at home was not necessarily the Anthony that was at school. Like he was so funny with his friend. We just saw like a teenager who didn't really say much. You know, and, <laughs> hi guys, you yeah. again. Yeah. And, and Anthony never wanted to hang out at our house because we were always up late. And so he was like, you guys just were always there, you know, and <laughs> they wanted to go places where parents were. You guys lit. just
1: need to have a basement.
2: I know. I know. <laughs> going has left. Left. <laughs> yeah. but, and then Zachary was home with us a lot. So it was just totally different personalities. But the kind of the cool thing, because I think boys, you find where they're at and you kind of meet them there. Girls, there is; those girls are trying to separate themselves from you. They're trying to be individual from their mom. They do not want to be their mom's, and so I think a lot of times the girls try and go a different direction. It's girls are hit and miss; they're hot and cold. It's really hard to figure out unless you're, you're early on creating those bonds.
0: Can so confirm: I, girls are hot and cold.
2: They are. <laughs> I can yeah. confirm that. Yeah. <laughs> but you if you can start at least those cohesive relationships early on, like maybe you all love shopping or maybe you all love movies or, but if you can find those neutral grounds, then I think it helps as they get older and you can kind of establish those relationships. But, um, our family, would go to plays. That was like a thing for us. You know, we love the Broadway plays. So uh, different families do different things. I, I have found that what I thought I thought Anthony would be like, a distant older son, you know, I thought, I thought he would be like, he's going to do his thing. He'll move away. He'll kind of call us every once in a while where I think Anthony I have a very, very close. I think I have a very close relationship yeah. with Anthony and I, I love his personality. I love, I love, I enjoy Anthony, not just love him. And I enjoy Zachary. They're just totally different. Yeah. So it's a, It's, I love the way my boys, and of course, Tori is just always special, but she's Tori. It's totally different than what somebody else's daughter would be like. Mm-hmm. But um, I think she made my boys better boys. So I think. For she- well, Anthony,
0: so I know that they're different, and I I recognize that too, like as an outsider. Mm-hmm. But were they different even as like little kids, or was it like when they started
2: like going to middle school and high school? no, day? they were always different. Okay. Yeah, Anthony was always the leader, and he would tell Zach what words to say, and you know when they were playing, oh, really? he would he would designate who was on what teams, and he would stack the team because he was so competitive. It was like <laughs> they just they were. And Zach was very compliant and and tenderhearted. And I used to tell people, and this is not that it's not an indication of anything negative about them, but when they were in, I, um, whenever they were with like girls, their age or whatever, I would tell them, listen, if you marry Anthony, he is going to take care of you. That boy is going to make sure he does good things in the work world. And if you marry Zach, he is going to love you up. You know, he is going to be the greatest. Like, he'll notice when your hair gets cut. He'll notice when you get your nails paint. He'll notice everything. Not that they don't do the other thing, but that was their strength, you know? Right. Yeah. You know, they were just, they were very different. Anthony's logical. He's type A personality. Zach is emotional. He's type B personality.
0: So. so, did you have to like parent them differently then because of that? Or like, cause I'm thinking about like my own experience, like having, like my parents, you know, um, and I think, I think the girls are pretty similar-ish, um, but Nick was like, you know, completely different. And I'm thinking like when Nick, he's the oldest. And then when the twins came, like how that parenting style changed. And then when Bridget came, like the parenting style was so different. Yeah. Like, like, okay, all, all cool. The out the window with, with Bridget. Like
2: she could do <laughs> whatever she wanted. And it happens just gradually figuring out, okay, we don't <clears throat> like, when Anthony was a baby, I didn't dare get in the shower. You know, I was like, oh, he might cry. He might roll (laughs) over." I would put him in the swing next to the shower door and I would jump in the shower as fast as I could. So he was contained, jump out and make sure he was okay. Zach, I'd be like, oh, he'll be all right. You know, you just just learn, because we're all, we don't know what we're doing. And so I think with Anthony, we were much more rigid. We had like great expectation. He's going to be like all these things. He's going to be so perfect. And poor Anthony, that was like not what he wanted us to do as parents. Where Zach, Zach was also a laid-back personality, and so it was easier to be more laid-back with him. Mm-hmm. So I think if they were to analyze this, they would Anthony would say like you guys were so hard on me, and Zach would be like yeah you're all right with me. You <laughs> know, so yeah, and Tori wins. So like,
1: good. Um. How have your relate, I mean, you know, now your kids are older. Um, how has that been? What's your relationship like with them as adults? Like, do you feel like like it's better than when it was when they were teenagers? and
2: it's definitely different. yeah, i I always felt close to my boys, but I don't think my boys always felt close to me. And so as they got older, now, they're like my best friends. I mean, they're, and, and Zach is actually very close to, I think Zach and I are, have a great relationship, but he's like, he'll go to Stephen for advice. They've kind of figured out, you know, where they fit. And Anthony, I think comes to me more for advice. And it's just the dynamics are just such that they both have a person that they feel really comfortable with. If it's religion, both of them go to Stephen. If it's, Wives, they'll both come to me. Not that they ever tell me anything, but if they did, it would be more well, I'm like, sure Anthony does. Like, I tell that. you everything. I'm like, Nothing <laughs> I know, but it's, it's like doing right now.
1: I'm
0: gonna ask Rebecca. I'm like, dude, don't tattle on Anthony. <laughs> I'm
1: like, you don't understand. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I like that because it's not what I appreciate, and I said this to Anthony yesterday, I think maybe I said it to Bridget too. I appreciate that you let me be a part of your relationship but I I am not in your relationship. You know what I mean? It's like, you let me give my thoughts. You let me give my take on things, but you're not, I'm not, I'm not always hearing. I'm not in the middle of anything. And so I like that balance. Zachary and Allison are a little more private and that is completely, we totally respect that. So it just depends on the different.
1: In our dynamic, we're like, guess what happened? (laughs) Yes. I know I think it's cute that you
0: guys have like a little group message and yeah like I yeah. don't know I, I think your guys' dynamics like like what you want to attain for in that
2: yeah area. It's, it's very fun and we have and even when all of us to get together we do laugh I mean oh yeah Zachary and Anthony are and and my girl my daughter-in-laws and they all have these they all bring something they're all different they're all unique <coughs> and Bridget can tell you we laugh and laugh and laugh at least Bridget and I laugh and laugh and laugh,
1: but yeah the- we're, we always t- say that we're like a two man show, like we <laughs> love each other.
2: <laughs> just
1: we're just our favorite, like we're our best fans, basically.
0: <laughs>
1: so this is really random and
0: nothing to do with what we were just talking about, but I was, I was thinking about like family dynamics. Uh-huh. But one thing Bridget told me that we're talking about, like we were just talking about like stages of life. One Bridget, Bridget told me you guys used to do like Monday holidays. You would take everyone to. Um, the midnight breakfast or whatever and I think that's so fun like especially since you guys lived in another state like you had to like create your
2: own things we right did. Um, so we did. I, yeah and there's I, a few kind of unique things we did that I thought were really fun that we did um like one of them was on a Monday holiday we would go to breakfast at like 1201 or whatever and then as the boys got to be teenagers, they would bring friends with them. So we would mm-hmm. all go meet and have breakfast. I just think that's fun. fun. I want to do fun
0: stuff fun. like that. Like, yeah, I
2: want to do like, like And family. then even the, um, the, as they got older, we would find more opportunity. Like, I can't remember when I started this. I think my kids were in grade school. But for my birthday, I used to tell them they are my greatest gift. And so I would pick a random day around my birthday, but they would never know when. And I would check them out of school and then we would go to a movie and lunch. And so, and it was just my own birthday gift to me, you know, Mm -hmm. they just, they they didn't know what it was, but they knew it was coming. And so that was something I always looked forward to. that's fun. Yeah, it was really fun
0: um ryan's dad for his birthday instead of he doesn't he doesn't like want presents for his birthday he gives people he gives his kids presents for his birthday oh, that's
2: a cute idea. I,
0: and they're like games or something that they can all do yeah. together i mean that's that's what it's been like in my experience but anyway it's fun family dynamics are so interesting to me so yeah. it's and like what they do um so I guess like going off of that, to get us back on track, sorry, I know I like sidetracked us there. Um, so you you were talking about like uh, your daughter-in-laws and um, like having them come into the family. How has your relationship changed with your sons like since they've been married? And like, what did the relationships with this uh, daughter-in-laws look like? Was it hard for you to like let your sons go to get married?
2: I, I know people have issues with that. Yeah, yeah. I remember my, um, my brother, <clears throat> my oldest brother, <clears throat> excuse me, and my sister-in-law came and visited us. They, their son was getting married and they came and stayed with us. And she was talking about how hard it is for, you know, because she had one daughter that was getting married. And then she had a son that was getting married at that time. And she was talking about the differences. And she was saying that she, for her son, she felt like it was okay to, you know, let him their parents decide everything. The the woman, the, the wife decide everything for the wedding. And she just kind of went with the flow. But with her daughter, she was frustrated because she wanted to have more control. And her daughter married a young man who was, I think he might've been the only son, I can't remember of his mom. And they were very close. And so she was telling me that, you know, she thinks that moms with sons should just let their whoever they're marrying that family, take care of everything. Let the daughter choose everything. Don't be so involved. And I remember saying to her, that would be fine, except I'm really close to my boys. I love them so much. It's hard for me to just, you know, just stay out, not have any opinion because they're boys, you know? And Mm -hmm. so it, and she was great. She was like, I had never thought about, yeah, I guess I should be more aware that just because they're boys doesn't mean you're really, not really close to your mother, you know, and so um, I do feel like I really, 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 really lucked out with my daughter in laws, but I also don't think my boys are perfect. And I, I would, I remember when they were younger, I used to tell them, I'm now obviously they have Tori, but I used to say to them, I'm the only woman you're going to live with that could at all be similar to a wife. So you treat me good because you need to practice on me because you are not going to be the kind of son who is going to make my daughter-in-laws cry. Now, of course, I'm sure my poor little daughter-in-laws have cried, but (laughs) that, but that, but I remember absolutely (laughs) silent, (laughs) (laughs) but that was my hope when they were growing up. I used to tell them all the time, I am not raising you to be a great son. I'm raising you to be a great husband and father. And that was for us, our goal, our end goal wasn't to have a great son. Our end goal was to raise young men who would be great husbands and fathers. That's the most important thing we could have them do. Awesome that Anthony is going to be a doctor and that, you know, he he's done some such important things with his education. And awesome that Zachary's doing these great things for his family. It's just it, it I mean, for his work, but his family and Anthony's family is most important. So yeah, yeah. you guys
0: you guys did a good job I love both all of all of your kids and your family I'm oh, obsessed with. You. so I, I think they're great Anthony is seriously like the best uh brother-in-law and we have a little I don't know if you know this but me Bridget Ryan and Anthony have a little like group message yeah and we just like text each other random stuff throughout yeah. the day like I don't know Anthony sent a text this morning about like uh what was it newlyweds like a link to some video and it's just like funny anthony is such a good guy you did a good job he's
2: got a good heart he means well he's doing he's working hard and and he loves ryan that i'm really happy about that i'm happy that you have that relationship with each other Mm, yeah me too no i
1: didn't tell you this liz but like the other day he sent because me rebecca and anthony also have a group chat find them sometime I I think I'm on one with your dad and (laughs) yeah I remember that I was like I'm putting my favorite people in um anyway so Anthony had said to his mom all of these places that he would want to live and I didn't even like really read it until later but he was like he put Seattle and then parentheses only if Liz and Ryan live there (laughs) I saw
2: that that's right oh i'm going to seattle alone <laughs> <laughs> it's cute. So. Yeah.
0: anthony sends us um uh like zillow stuff and like all the time to be like here's this house next door to us um yeah he sends you those too and so yeah of, uh, I'm, I'm like yeah that. that actually looks more affordable than anything in utah but yeah anyway it's he's so cute i love it that anthony. young
2: man should have been a realtor that's what i think
0: <laughs> he'd be good at anything he does he did he does
1: So do you feel like having like was becoming a mother-in-law like hard at all was that like new Um, territory like I mean I feel like I mean I was essentially the guinea like I was the first daughter-in-law and so I think you kind of have like a
2: learning curve but um just wanted to see it also depends on the daughter-in-law there you can only do so much as a Mm mother-in-law Your daughter-in-law, as a mother-in-law, I, I have had to teach myself because I loved my mother-in-law second to my mother. You know, I mean, it was, I loved her so much. And so as a daughter or as a mother-in-law, I had to learn, let them have their mothers. Don't take, you know, you're not their mother. And I want to be really respectful of those relationships. But I also, it's up to the daughter-in-law, what they want, you know, and, and there'll be daughter-in-laws probably who, it's arm's length. They don't want a relationship with their mother-in-laws. And for me, that would have been super, super sad. I mean, I don't have typical daughters, you know? And so I don't get those relationships other than my mother-in-laws like Bridget. Bridget was going to let me go in and and with her when she had her first baby, you know, I've never seen a baby born. I was like,
1: you were there up until.
2: Yeah. But then you end up having a C-section. So I'm like, (laughs) me so, yeah but i
1: remember you being there too yeah. while i was laboring
2: yeah the whole time and
1: yeah. then with the second he was born last minute yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so COVID, you couldn't have anybody or no yeah, you I I mean,
0: Bridget actually told me she's like hey liz i invited rebecca to come in on the c-section the uh because in, in idaho you can have two people in on the c-section yeah And, um, but we didn't know when he was going to be born. So it was kind of like a, you know, going to be a last minute thing for you. And she's like, I invited Rebecca, but she might not be able to come. So if she can't come, do you want to
2: come? And I was like, absolutely not. I will be the (laughs) for life if I see that. I was so excited. And, but I told somebody about that. I'm like, Bridget's going to let me come in when she delivers the baby. And they're like, what? Your daughter-in-law is letting you go in? I'm like, yeah, I'm telling you guys. I struck gold on this one because <laughs> she's gonna let me go in. I think people are so weirded. we'd have no natural births in our family. So I
1: think people are so weirded out sometimes by like that type of relationship. Yeah. You know, just
2: yeah.
0: Um she, Rebecca, you can come to mine if you want. I'm tempted.
1: <laughs> I'm tempted. <laughs> so what stage I guess um looking back, what stage has been your favorite? or least favorite, Um, just, I guess, what's your?
2: Oh, people will think I'm a bad person, but baby babies is not my favorite stage. And it's not because they aren't so sweet. I love them so much, but they can't talk to me. I don't know what's wrong. They don't interact. So I think they're just darling, but if they lay there, it's no different than me holding them. You know what I mean? It's like, there's not that interaction where um you know that three and four and i mean i love every age truly i do but the baby stage is probably the hardest for me to feel any sort of like you know connection with a baby Mm -hmm. Uh, but i do love i love the 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 three four five you know when they're really interacting with you and then i really love the teenagers so it just depends on and, and, uh, but my favorite stage so far is adulthood. I mean, I love the little kids. I love all that, but I don't, I don't need a whole lot of people in my life when I have my very closest friends are our family, you know? So it, it makes, it builds in a really great network for our family, but yeah. so, So kind of
1: one of the last questions too was, um, how has it been in the next role, being a grandma, being a nana? Oh, the best.
2: I, <laughs> I mean, I feel very close to my kids. I love them. I love my daughter in laws. I am grateful for all of them. But boy, there is just something. It's not just that I love being the nana that you can, you know, you get to have an unconditional love in a way where you're not responsible to teach them, you just love them. Mm-hmm. but the other thing I love is watching my, my sons and my daughter-in-laws be parents. So there's like, it's double-sided to watch my boys hold their babies and just like, just love and engage with their kids. There is just nothing sweeter to a mother than to watch her children be be parents. And On the same hand, when I watched our little grandbaby who passed away just a couple of hours after he was born, there was nothing more heart-wrenching than watching my son and my daughter-in-law. Of course, it was so sad for us, but it made it even harder to watch your kids and be able to, you couldn't do anything about it. So I think there's the joys are the highest. And of course there's the hardest things too, but I just, I just think it's like a big old present for working so hard you
0: know, with your kids. <laughs> that's your pay that's your paycheck yeah that's your there's paycheck. that paycheck, Those the paycheck. That's oh, yeah. right. there we go yeah uh, it's,
2: it's awesome yeah
0: so awesome. um to like wrap it up I this has been so fun and Rebecca you're like seriously one of my top favorite people to like talk to uh-huh, I feel the advice same. from I know sometimes like I'll tell Bridget something and she's like I'll ask Rebecca I'm like okay yes ask Rebecca get back to me when she lets you know what the advice is. Really
2: sweet. Thank you.
0: um, Since you, you've kind of been through it all now at this point, what, what advice would you give to those of us like just going through it right now? We're going through the baby toddler, the teenage years, like being adults, being a mother-in-law, what advice would you give to those folks?
2: Um, You know, to bring it back to when my dad died and I was so sad and I was just trying to figure out what, you know, all the what ifs and the if onlys that we just run through your head and it just can honestly can eat you up alive. It's just, it can drive you crazy. I would say, consider the fact that you don't want to say what if and if only. Live your life in a way where you're saying what now and not, you know, sometimes, and I know Anthony's this way, I'm this way. You're always looking for the next thing. And so maybe enjoy where you're at a little bit and don't ever go back and say, I mean, go forward and say, well, what if I had just been this way? Or what if I had just done this? Or try and live in that moment and, and appreciate what you're getting in that moment. As hard as motherhood can be, mm-hmm. whatever form that is for somebody, as hard as it can be, it you are learning and growing and you are helping a person form and create that foundation that could forever be important for the rest of their life. So our role is critical. And if we just brush by it, or we don't, or we just want to hurry through it, or we just want to get past it, then we miss all that beauty of what we're doing for somebody and what they're doing for us. So I would just say, embrace it. Embrace being a mother-in-law, embrace being a mother, embrace being a, a grandmother, whatever role you're in, or if you're just mothering, if you're an aunt, be the best aunt, be the best, whoever to somebody, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I like that. Thank you.
0: Writing that down for the night, in the oh. next for the next <laughs> three months, so I can. So when I'm like not sleeping at night, I'm gonna be like Rebecca told me. Yeah,
1: just sit in it for
2: <laughs> a minute, just Do it. it. Yep.
1: Well, thank you so much for coming on and telling us all of it and. It's fun. Yeah. Some
0: of this was new to me, so I'm glad I got to hear it. Oh, thank you. Well, thanks for letting me come.
1: Yeah, no problem. Well, it's been been good. (laughs) No, it's been real. It's been fun. Oh, I always say the same thing after, and I can't even believe I'm botching it right now. It's been real. real. It's been been fun. fun. And it's been real fun. (laughs) (laughs) All right. See you guys.